Welcome to the Party Pro Toolkit, sharing stories and ideas to empower participants and producers of nightlife, festivals, and burner culture. Greetings, this is Melina Liu, and you're listening to the Party Pro Toolkit. For me, Detroit has been layered with community connections that have led me down one rabbit hole into another. I've followed the momentum. People welcomed me in so easily, wanting me to learn about their city, inviting me into their community. I first went to Detroit last year, 2018, for Movement Festival. I already felt like I found chosen family in the city by the time I left. People I can count on, people I can hang out with, shoot the shit with, stay with when I come back to town. There is a beauty in the decay of Detroit. The people and the artists are resilient. They operate with a high level of self-regulation and communal accountability. Because, well, there was a time in Detroit when you couldn't count on the police arriving, but you could count on your neighbor. And when it comes to community venues and a place of communal gathering, the Tangent Gallery is one of those special places in Detroit. It's owned by Joe Van Bale, longtime resident and staple supporter of artists and crazy creative ideas for events in the city. He started Tangent Gallery in 1999, around the same time as Theater Bazaar. I was connected to Joe through my friend Brick. He's the Burning Man regional contact for the area. He recommended I speak to Joe as being someone who is very integrated in the community and support of artists. Unfortunately, he was having trouble getting connected with him. So I bought a ticket for the movement after party at Tangent Gallery that night. I told Brick, give me his name and a photo and I'll find him. And I did. Since that first night I stalked him and convinced him to be my friend, we've spent hours sitting on his rock outside of the Tangent, talking about nightlife culture of Detroit and the many different events that artists have brought to his venue in the nearly 20 years since it's been in business. Joe is one of the most genuine and down-to-earth people I've ever met. He introduced me to other people in the community and has hosted me on my two return trips to the city. When I open a nightlife venue, I want it to be based on the humble ethos that I have learned from Joe. For this conversation we recorded at Tangent Gallery on October 19th, 2018, we were joined by Laura, a young woman who has been booking shows at the Tangent for several years and contributes to the conversation as an artist and promoter. First time it was to Tangent, basically I snuck in the back door, didn't take. <laughs> um, first time uh-huh. I was here. Um, but then I had kept I kept coming back because I was like, oh, I like this place. Yeah, I'll go it's through the front. For. <laughs> pay in the front. You know, just kind of for different reasons. I had decided that I wanted to start doing events, and it became a regular thing, like once a month or every two months uh, for for three, four years, um, and then uh, it even done this done events is my sole source of income um but then i had decided that i was going to go get a corporate job uh doing corporate events um but i didn't even know that i could do events before coming here Mm -hmm. but it it gave you enough experience to get that job doing corporate events right yeah to, to um tell them well you know i might be doing artistic events that have performance artists, um, artists or musicians, and but that I think I can do this. And so I made the switch and I was like, I'm going to stop doing my, my art events. I, I won't have time for this, but uh, at 
the time, Joe asked me, well, will you help assist with booking and marketing? And, and that's how it kind of happened. Yeah, okay. and, and I've always wanted the space to, to um, uh, evolve like that. I've always wanted, like, I've already, always tried to keep the, the price uh, uh, reasonable so that um, anyone could really throw a successful show and so, you know, I figure without the ability to do that, you know, it's just going to crumble. And I mean, ultimately, I was just kind of dissatisfied with the venues that were offered up to us in Detroit. And, you know, because it was either just uh, you're going to have to do something in a bar or you're going to have to do something in one of the bigger venues. Um, and, and bars don't let so, you hang art on walls. Yeah, so. and bars don't let you hang art on walls. So it was very, um, I, I guess, detrimental to the scene and, and at the time. So was yeah. it that you saw that there was this gap, you know, over your a Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a big gap um, between a bar and a really big venue and, and a, or an institution for that matter. And there's nothing for anyone in between. And, and that's that was one of my um, inspirations for Tangent Gallery. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's interesting how there can be a, a gap for those mid-sized venues. Yeah. Um, how many people can you fit in here? Our legal capacity is about five fifty. Okay. Between two rooms. That's great, and then you also have the outside yeah. area. Right. And but so we work hard on. Um, safety and make sure everyone's okay and um, yeah i think the public actually does a pretty good job of even self-regulating themselves if they feel uncomfortable in a situation we'll just go outside for a little bit and you know we have different areas uh, different rooms so you can get away from a big crowd if you feel uncomfortable Really I think that's have. why I always love Tangent was yeah. because I don't do well with huge crowds. I'm not someone to go to a, a street festival. There can be no, yeah, a I, ton I, of people here, but yeah. it, it's still not going to feel crowded unless the, <clears throat> there's way too many people. <laughs> this place feels uh, more at home. It does feel like a place that people can identify with, and that there's you know I definitely had that feeling of a lot of the regulars who take ownership of this space yeah. as well. So we, we all true. look at it as, uh, we um, look at it more as family ownership than, than we do as uh, definitely the, the, uh, like corporate ownership. Yeah, versus I mean, like... We, we do have a corporation yeah. set up to manage our business pairs, of course, but you know, the, the entire staff is practically volunteered and, and uh, yeah we consider each other crew we consider our crew family yeah absolutely as opposed to workers um so how would you how would you describe this community this family who's a part of this venue of like participants but also the people you know working here and producing events here like how would you describe this community it's uh, very large and diverse. Um, there's not just one small group of people uh, putting on 
several shows throughout the year. It's 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 a yeah. very large group of different people and with in different market segments, different so uh, yeah. Like, uh, we have rest, like wrestling, like WWE, yeah. SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. We have circus. <laughs> yeah, we have examples. you know techno events. We have old rocker rock and rollers to come in here did, do yeah, their thing. Uh, We've had that punk rock event that yeah. we had a, a, a few but weeks like, ago. But like Grizz is hosted, you know, an after party here before surprise, like last minute. We knew, but nobody else did. But or there, if they're not at Davis, has performed here. There's been blues events. Like there's been events that are pretty much every single age group. Yeah. And some of the events even get all the age groups in one room. Um, but it it's it's pretty awesome because it, literally it, it can be be anything that you put your mind to like performance art but everything to like all kinds of music um to star wars theme party which is actually put on by the same people who do theater bizarre i've heard that that's um, a really it's a fan party. fantastic <laughs> event yeah it's incredible they transform this whole space and in, into the most eisley cantina yeah i found a really i found a good recap video yeah and Maybe you showed it to me and but... that's been growing every year they, they they keep adding to the set but yeah just all all kinds of events um it's pretty amazing it's like hip-hop, we'll have poetry events, you know, if someone has it, or what was that event that I booked where the, was it suspension, the people who put the hooks mm. in their skin and hang from the ceiling, oh my gosh, I was, I think I was the only one who was excited about it, not that I'm into it, but I would never do that, but okay, yeah, no, but we had a DJ suspended uh, from the ceiling, like his DJ gear um, like his rig was suspended but then they put hooks in his back and he was also suspended and he was like up in the air doing that I've never heard of and that. then he had <laughs> then his like you know backup dan go go yeah. dancer girls were had hooks in in their backs and were swinging all over the place and everybody's on the ceiling we're all down here but like all kinds of thing, things wow. happen um, and then so do people like regularly drip blood when they're doing that? I don't know. I no, it's to, very clean. I didn't it's very pay clean. attention, yeah. but huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm not seeing it in person. Yeah. But usually how it goes is someone sends an email with an idea, like and then we're like, Oh, it sounds like a great idea. Come on down yeah. a tangent, let's do it. And 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 I think the key to to um, our success here is um, our openness to allow people to express their most creative soul, ultimately, and give them space to do it and make it a legitimate space and one that works for everybody in that sense. And people have been coming out of the woodwork to do their own thing. Fabulous. People contact yeah. us from all over the country to yeah. come here and do a show too. So we even get magicians. <laughs> so is this mostly a presenting house where you're more presenting uh, events that other people are booking out? Yeah. Rather than uh, producing events, you know, like you don't have your own 
like regular events that are put on by yep. in-house. Well, occasionally I will do that if we need to fill a date. I will just do a night will, or something. I'll pull a rabbit out of the hat. And, and then we have a couple <laughs> other regular um, <laughs> yeah. people that, that um, do monthlies, like the Nonsense Night That's people. Um, they do do uh, a monthly thing called Nonsense Night, and, and it's just uh, it's always themed, and there's always some kind of interesting shenanigans like bubbles versus fireworks or something like that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> or sparklers, I, I, it's really, sparklers versus bubbles. It's a lot of nonsense, yeah. but all kinds of sparklers stuff. versus bubbles sounds better than fireworks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, fireworks yeah, sounds yeah. good. It sounds they have dangerous. a non non con, which is kind of. Non-con. Spoof of a nonsense conference. Oh, non-con, cute. Okay. Yeah, it's cute. But then there, there's annual shows that come back every year. Some people really do, you know, have a couple, a couple shows that they do each year. They might not be monthly, but that's definitely monthly. Yeah. So we have like a group of, of annual shows, a group of monthly shows, and then um, one-offs in between. And, you know, whatever else we can fill it up with. Okay. So, Excellent. yeah, we stay pretty busy on the uh, booking the calendar, at least to keep the weekend solid. Sometimes we do weekdays, but it isn't, isn't normally what we do, but there are some workshops that... It's a hard market in Detroit to get people out. It's a working town. Mm-hmm. People don't like to go out during the week so much. We're not exactly a bar even though we're sitting in the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we try not to be a bar. Not to be like just a bar yeah, so we don't. comes by just yeah. to drink. It's more no. of a place that people come we for. Just, we only open events. when we have an event. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so I'm curious about the ways in which you build your community. You know, so uh, if you have any thoughts around how you've been able to kind of cultivate this community that you know feels invested in this place and wants to keep booking events here? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be able to answer it a little bit, but you go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have already cultivated it by doing the things the way that we do, I think would be a good answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once again, going back to the openness of what we allow people to do um, in the context of, of uh, you know, what most, what your typical bar or venue wouldn't allow you to do. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and in, in a sense, there, we have all these different groups that have kind of coalesced together um, and have, um, kind of made it their clubhouse in a sense like theater bazaar has a studio in the back so whenever those people aren't doing anything and or or don't have anything to do they're going to be hanging out here you know and and um, we just have multiple groups of people like that that kind of made this place their home Mm -hmm. and from there it's just it's just a, a and growing. Yeah, pretty much with every single promoter that comes here. Theater Bazaar is a great example, but everyone who's come through here and has done a show, well, 
they invited people to the room and they brought people, which is then also how different people discovered that they wanted to do an event here. Yeah. But in a sense, you know, it it builds a community each time. And when those people yeah. come back to Tangent a second time, they're going to see it's not the same exact thing event that I went to when mm. so-and-so invited me to it. They then see that, whoa, this actually is a community space and so many different people are putting things on this space and it grows. So like when I started doing shows here, I brought the Ypsilanti Ann Arbor community over to yeah. here is a good example. But then also what happened, I'm not conducting my own shows as a runner, I'm helping out here, but the people that I booked in my shows, the musicians, the entertainers, they're now contacting me to do their own show, their own vision in here after being introduced in the space. So then it keeps growing. And then so from them, more people find out about it. And it's just mm -hmm. a bigger community. And to everyone, they put their own, make their own idea of what tangent is to them. Yeah, and that's, that's beautiful, just the idea of being able to offer a canvas for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was capable of doing, I don't know if I want to tell you everything you've done here, but like, Joe really let me do some crazy shit here that no one else would have let me do. Um, you know, I, I got to really make an event be exactly what I wanted it to be in my head. I got mm -hmm. to do have avant-garde performance artists come here and perform and everyone loved it. In other places we got kicked out by the cops, not here. So I mean Joe really has given a lot of people the opportunity to do a lot of, you know, not your typical event within reason. Like, mm -hmm. but like safety first, but yeah. really a lot of people can come here and do and see events that they wouldn't see in other places. Yeah, but like, those are the exciting events. Right, we know, have ones that haven't been seen before. Well, we have you know, people swallowing fire are, and yeah. doing toys and things like that. Stuff know? that's original and, and uh, you know, to the heart. And... How do you ensure a safe environment for your? participants you know what are the steps that you take or the things that you consider and just kind of you know as a thought in relation to um, this is an aspect that is intended to be you know shared with others yeah. um, so just yeah what are some of the steps that you take for ensuring safety for people well well first of all we're very conscious about uh, fire um, as as we all need to be in, in this business because we play with it obviously on, on the regular, um, we make sure all of our fire extinguishers are up to date. Mm -hmm. um, we make sure hallways and exits are are clean, and yeah. there's and always the egress wherever our exit signs are lit up. If the fire marshal ever comes in, we're always welcoming of them. We don't try to push them away or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, we always let them come in, come through. They're always going to point something out. Uh, they always do, uh, and we fix it immediately. Um, those are very important things. Um, also, people that do play with fire, um, we're very uh, careful about making sure that that um, they have fire safety. There's always, anytime anyone's spinning fire, there's always mm -hmm. safeties. 
we work, work kind of closely with the um, Detroit Fire Guild. Um, uh, they actually rehearse here every Monday night. Um, and that's been ongoing for years. Uh, so we kind of uh, work with them to um, keep our safety standards um, on a high level there. Um, as far as like security goes and stuff like that, we honestly don't need much because we are so community driven that everyone here um, just about any night is security, so to speak, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. And, and uh, when, whenever there is an issue, there's usually uh, a lot bigger cloud of people that are going to make sure the right thing happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have uh, parking security outside um, for you know, people who want their car watched. Our parking uh, attendant also walks around the block occasionally to make sure there's no one doing anything wrong around the corner. So. Mm -hmm. But we present ourselves as nonviolent people, and, and it shows really chose yeah there's rarely any issue like that ever mm -hmm. you know in what ways do you feel that this space supports your uh, local artists so like the local artistic community I feel like we kind of touched on this if you want we can skip past do you want it. me to answer that one sure okay um, well I think this space is uh, definitely more accessible uh, to local artists than you know uh, fine art gallery not that we don't have fine artists who all come through here um, but with the openness of it and I guess how we're welcoming and the promoters who come in uh, it, it's definitely more uh, communal with the aspect of people coming in here and creating art shows like I believe we probably have like three or four like artists market type events coming up in November, um, mm -hmm. quite a few oh, in cool. December. Um, you know, that is one thing that we crucially like to book is art events, whether they're big group shows or just a few artists doing a smaller show. Um, but oftentimes the art shows here um, incorporate kind of art, an art party where, mm -hmm. you know, there's music, there's art, there might be, be some other aspects to the event. Um, but because uh, this space is so community oriented, a lot of artists will come in here and will, you know, throw a, sh a show with you know a lot of their friends. Um, there's been, uh, you know, graduation, um, basically solo artist shows that have happened here, or they want to show their friends and family all their art. Or there's been different themed group shows that happen all the. For, there's probably never a month that there isn't some sort of, or I'd say there's probably never a month that there isn't two art shows that happen here. And, and then, you know, for them to be able to, like Laura was saying, it's more accessible than like a fine art gallery yeah, and mm -hmm. people that not might not be able yeah. to um, be seen in, in other places are able to be seen here in some of the bigger group shows. Yeah, and community that can shows. give them the opportunity to, you know, get to to be able to show at other places. Probably just by you know, 
having them having the experience just yeah just to get that experience so then they can get more experience absolutely other places and it's so important to offer that it offers growth for for them as well absolutely uh, i i was in an art show here before i started doing my own art shows it's probably one one of the first probably the third or fourth times that I had actually come to Tangent um, I had entered an art show which then when I was in that art show I decided well I'm going to start doing my own art shows and uh, inviting artists to be a part of them and there would be shows that would have 100, 100 artists in them mm-hmm. and everybody would come so um, and all the artists would come as well too so the, you have this great intermingling and networking opportunity yeah. as well mm-hmm. and, and all that you know, yeah. instead of people sitting at home watching Netflix right yeah definitely it's just yeah. how you get people out of their houses and interacting with each other mm-hmm. which is definitely the goal um, so Laura I was wondering if you would want to talk a little bit about kind of your progression of you know starting to produce events here mm-hmm and how that evolved for you. I had started getting a master's degree in arts and cultural management, and um, it was primarily, the curriculum was all about um, nonprofit art organizations, and um, it just wasn't doing it for me because I was thinking, how do artists get paid? Um, But so, uh, as an artist, I had, over the years, entered a lot of art shows, got into a lot of them, but they were always difficult to get into. Um, I always felt like there was a, some sort of uh, stigma, or at least my own personal anxiety, to get into gallery shows and things like that. Um, oftentimes I was scared to enter these shows because there would be some angry gallery director waiting for me to drop off my art or something like that. Um, but so my arts, arts management um, degree wasn't doing it for me, and I because it was all centered around nonprofit orgs, and I decided uh, that I'm going to uh, to drop out of grad school and start doing events that are for profit for artists and make them super easy for artists to get into. Um, like I didn't care if the photos that they were entering the art shows were for you know from their cell phones or just file size was like all wrong or like they didn't give me enough inter- like information or anything like that but so because I had found out about Tangent um, from being in, in a show um, that was probably definitely more um, structured and intense with the application process but um, I had decided I'm gonna make it super simple because there's probably so many artists who just don't even know how to go about entering an art show um so i I came to joe Uh, i bothered him quite a bit because he didn't know who this crazy lady uh, was coming in with all these crazy ideas talking about puppets (laughs) and all kinds of stuff um because when i get excited uh it's hard to explain my ideas but uh so i had organized a a pretty large art show that had had a vendor market. It had um, about I think six bands played, um, and then I had a 
a public juried art competition, um, kind of similar to Art Prize, where the guests, um, when they come in the door, they'd get receive three stickers on a card, and they would be told that um, they get to choose which artist gets to go home with cash, um, because that would be part of the submission process, which. Uh, in turn um, really helped get a lot of people to come see all the art and the art shows created excitement for the artist um, and the whole aspect of that they didn't even necessarily ha have to sell their piece of art they could put not for sale but still go home with the potential of taking a little cash with them from the event um, so people would use the stickers as a way to, to vote, vote for their and, favorite pieces right and then I would I would count count them up and then would have to go up and announce the winner um, and I did several shows with um, this this structure uh, but the first one did really well Joe even said to me that I did a show like one of the pros and he like are you sure you never done this before and I was like um, no I just uh, looked at what everyone else was doing and figured out how to do my own thing which is what a lot of people do when they come here and do mm -hmm. a show and then I just kept doing shows, and it was every month or every two months. Um, some of them were art-related, some of them were not. I came up with all different kinds of ideas, and my uh, event uh, art event company is called Gallery Bypass. Um, the idea is you kind of bypass the oh, typical gallery um, because the idea was I wanted to, you know, let in some artists that maybe pushed some buttons and were a little bit more avant-garde or weren't what I guess you know the general public would necessarily like but I was like I don't care I'm going to throw the show that I want to want to throw um and then I was doing it for even nine months as my sole income just throwing events here um and then uh you know, I, I had been doing that for a while, and then I decided, well, I'm, I, I got a lot of event experience from this. I'm going to go uh, apply uh, to do corporate events for a, a big national company, and I was thinking, well, I'm, I guess I'll just stop doing the shows here, um, and then Joe had asked me to help here, but doing those those shows I think have really um, taught me a lot about myself as well as how to organize things and how to definitely um, interact with all kinds of different people and many of the people who were in my shows are doing shows now here mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool yeah it just grows like that yeah just, there's there's solid. other groups like that too Laura's one story with many yeah like that but I'm curious, you know, what kind of ends up working best for you as far as like getting people, you know, to your shows and and, and maybe social you might have, media, yeah, it's definitely social media. Um, what because I had kind of created a, like a, a science my promotion <laughs> tactics with my my own shows. Um, I try to encourage, um, you know, our our the different, uh, I guess. Uh, promoters that come through here, some of them that are less experienced, kind of try to encourage them how, how to actually promote effectively. Um, so this is as 
um, when you're booking shows for Tangent yeah. with other promoters. Yeah. Okay. Um, but to show them kind of like what I've done that has been effective, which it is um, definitely I have found that organic uh, promotion is more effective than paid promotion. Um, so I oftentimes will give um, you know our promoters a list of like a hundred Facebook groups to share in and post in um, where they can reach the most amount of people that actually like live in this area. Um, I, I assist with like putting all their information on our, our social medias and things like that. Um, but it is since it is so um, community based, um, a lot of these shows they do have to you know promote to their specific community because every community that comes in here is different. Mm -hmm. um, we do post all the information on all of our sites, but you know, it's just a matter. I try to show people exactly what they should do. Um, it's a matter of just constantly telling people what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I also tell people to make your flyer pink. People like pink. <laughs> <laughs> For real? I didn't it, even know that. A, there's a science to colors, too, uh -huh. with uh, yeah. making promotional materials, what actually works and what gains people's interest and things like that. Um, mm. it, it's kind of funny how, how advertising works like that. Um, but it's really just kind of organically letting people know about it. Um, you know, like I have a lot of people who follow me just strictly because of tangent. Um, a lot of people even think I live here. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> like here in the building. Yeah, like here in the building. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of constantly telling people what's going on or encouraging, you know, other promoters that are doing shows to work with other promoters that are here to kind of cross-promote too um, because, mm -hmm. it, you know, if we're not the type of place to go buy a big ad in the newspaper. I don't know exactly what that would do for us. Um, right. yeah. But a lot of people do uh, know know who we are and they come from all over the place. Um, we'll drive an hour here, even a few. I've had people in art shows that were live in Ohio. So, yeah. you know, it happens. So is there anything, like when you're promoting your own shows, mm -hmm. you know, in contrast with supporting uh, yeah. other promoters so like is there anything that you've kind of learned any good you know tools or tips you'd like to share with other people well you got a guerrilla market as embarrassing as it might feel to do um, to be constantly posting everything on the internet everywhere um, you got to do it um, you got to brag about what's going on you got to tell people what's going on or they're never gonna know what's going on um, I will reach out to other promoters, whether they're doing something at Tangent or there's somewhere else. Um, I will reach out to them. I'll be like, hey, I see you. You're having an event. I'm having this event. They're not conflicting dates. Do you want to help each other? I'll help you as much as you help me. Mm. And I'll do that with like 50 different people. Um, and I'll offer. I've found that Instagram has even been a better way to promote art, um, art shows or parties or what really anything um, compared to Facebook because Facebook has a control over their algorithms and who sees what because they really do want us to pay for advertising. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram, even though it's also owned by Facebook, um, I think as for 
events or art shows like that is the best way to reach people um, because it's very content oriented you show people what they're going to see also promoting any event I feel like people need to see mm -hmm. what what they might be seeing at this event like a lot of people um, they won't go to something unless they think it's worth it People don't just go to a random bar and check out what random band is playing that it's night. An interesting concept to not to interrupt, but but um, we've done a lot of shows here too that that um, the promoter has wanted them to be free, mm -hmm. and those have been some of the most unsuccessful shows that we've done. So if you can't put like a dollar value yeah. on getting in the door. People actually are just like, it's probably not worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, well, might as well go to a bar yeah. and yeah. play the jukebox or. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I think it's really important to um, um, actually value a show mm -hmm. and make people feel like it's worth something that they're willing to pay for. I, I, I agree with that too. And, you know, in Arizona, we've almost had the opposite issue where people have gotten so accustomed to free shows that they don't want to pay for shows. Right. And it's mm -hmm. a horrible problem to have is yep. that people almost expect free shows and you have to kind of show them and teach them the value exchange mm -hmm. where, you know, in very rare cases do I support the free show because artists should get paid. Everyone should <laughs> get Everyone paid. Everyone should get paid. Yeah. Everyone know? should get paid. You know, and it's, it's a... Yeah. It's an exchange, it's a value exchange of like, you know, experiencing mm -hmm. something, having a night out, you know, being in the space with these other people, but they're providing that experience for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, with that being said, you know, I, like when I've done, was doing my own shows, I mean, I still do my own shows, I have one next week, but it's in my studio. Mm -hmm. um, that one is free, um, but it's because it's a solo artist, but I've done shows where, um, you know, if someone comes in the door and they didn't didn't pay, and then they they go up to the bar and they start drinking like a big alcoholic or something, and you go up to them and you tell them, "Hey, uh, I noticed you like you didn't pay cover, like uh, it's five dollars, like maybe you didn't didn't realize." Like, and there's been times that people will argue with me and say, uh, "Why well, just spent a bunch of money at the bar and blah blah blah?" It's like that the money at the bar doesn't go to the person you just watch sing on the stage mm -hmm. um and but we don't i don't think we have too much of that i think a lot of people that do come here have been here multiple times um once in a while there's one show that brings everyone from all over the place so that we don't even know where they came from um but like it's i think in doing shows myself has definitely uh to me really showed the value in you know, a paying for a ticketed event, and I think that's something that you know can only only certain people will understand that. And you're not going to get it through to everyone. Some people do expect free shows or their show to cost five bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think people know that that's not that's not tangent. If you're coming to a tangent, you're probably going to pay between. Five dollars to thirty dollars at the door, and you're probably going to leave with like five paintings. <laughs> like, like um, it, it's, it's that's just like with art events, but like for example, it's just 
people kind of know what they're coming to when they come to Tangent. They don't think of us as like a nightclub. It's we're coming right. here to support the very, arts and yeah. the community. And so. it's very hybrid, you know. So when you're saying like these art shows, they're also parties. Is that right? Oftentimes, because yeah. that, I think that work works the best in our space. Um, yeah. I think even. I want to say Joe created it, but I think like Joe kind of created the blueprint of art parties in Detroit because a lot of other venues are doing you know similar events um, where you know there's there's artists, there's live painting, and there's mm -hmm. some music going on. Um, you know, a lot of other spaces have started to do the same thing because it works. People get excited about it because yeah. you're pulling different people from all. All over the place like maybe someone who shows up for the band actually realizes they really like an artist or maybe someone who showed up just to support their artist friend like yeah. ends up liking a band and then they take that with them and then mm -hmm. it's just more intertwined and for the record I mean I, I didn't take credit for all that I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's way too much for me I'm not giving uh, you credit someone came in and did it and but then someone but came place, in and did it but this, this place, place did <laughs> provide yeah. the blueprint for for sure um, the uh, with with, yeah. with the multiple uh, different uh, communities of people that have been doing things over the years it, it's definitely formed a, a different blueprint about how we consume art mm -hmm. in the city anyway. <laughs> uh, so Joe aside from you know seeing a gap of what was missing um, here in the city and wanting to offer this place that kind of like filled that uh, middle space of accessible mid-size art venue. Uh, what were some of your like, you know, what brings you to this work and why why do you do what you do and what brought you to you know creating a space like this? Oh geez, um, <laughs> I've had a feeling of this uh, of something like this since I was like maybe twelve years old. Uh, I remember, I recall having a dream when I was 12 about owning this castle that, um, like, uh, not owning, but having this castle where all these, all my friends came and hung out and did cool things. Like, that was from, like, age 12. And then I was always discouraged from, uh, the arts by my family, you know, school, academics. You have to go to school, you have to go to college. And when I finally finished college, um, well, the way I worked my way through college was I was managing a blues bar in Hamtramck. And I also lived above the place for a little while, and that's just how I got through that whole process. And when I finished college, I got a degree in geology. And uh, I didn't want to go to work for oil companies or anything like that. So I just like dumped the whole idea of the degree and just kept on the blues bar. And uh, I did that for a few years after college and uh, that kind of dried up in, in a sense that um, I was actually then trying to pull different things together in that place, in that venue, mm -hmm. but it was so stigmatized, uh, 
by just the blues. Like people that wanted to come there, they all they didn't want anything else but the blues. So I, I finally uh, uh, accepted the fact that, that, that that's all that was going to be able to be done there. <laughs> and ultimately uh, sold out of that business in real estate and just driving around the city, I found this building. And when I found this building, I just automatically, I just knew it was the place that I was going to put roots down. And I've stuck to it. Been here 18 years, 19 years now. I just had my 19th anniversary in August. Yeah. Wait, so does that mean the 20th is coming up? Next August. Next August. 20 years in this building, yeah. It was a good party. party. <laughs> You'll have a good party for that one, right? Eh? <laughs> You'll have to come back for that. I know, I'm already planning to come back in May for moving Hey, we're again. already planning. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you face or are being faced by, you know, this place? Like, and that could be as a business owner, or as a venue, as an artist, as a promoter, just being a person in the scene? What are some of the challenges? The, the biggest is staying uh, compliant with the city, city codes. That was always the hardest uh, thing to get, get through because they're not very easy to work with. Um, there's always like, uh, you know, random, these inspections that we have to do annually, um, inspectors don't show up it, uh, you know you try to solve a, a violation history or, or issue and, and, and uh, there's like nine different departments that you have to deal with you know, there's no like central business office that, that um, you can just go to and, and uh, you know, resolve your problems. You know? And that's one of the things that we're kind of working with uh, several different groups on now, like the Detroit Restaurant Association, you know, how can uh, we make this whole process simpler where we don't have to meet with five different people where we could meet with one that's mm -hmm. knowledgeable enough to get us through whatever issue they're having with us so at can, any given yeah. moment. That reminds me of um, like some of the nightlife mayors and some of these nightlife advisory boards that are kind of popping up in these different cities. Is that uh, the sort of representation that you're hoping for of Absolutely. You know, having someone appointed yeah. to kind of represent the needs of the nightlife community? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that's... Uh, um, a couple of the groups that we're working with right now are are working on that art. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It just seems to be more and more important, but also that it seems like the cities are starting to kind of acknowledge that there's some money in nightlife and that people travel, yeah. and it's kind of this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the more modern hotspot of tourism for places like a place like here. I would yeah. imagine has a good amount of tourism for the nightlife specifically. Especially around festivals. You know. um, but I mean, prior to us being here, this was just a dead zone at night. Nothing happening here at all. No white, dark, 
kind of on the not safe side of mm-hmm. things. Um, and we've gone about lighting it up and having people coming and going and, and uh, that just improves security for everyone that's actually in the neighborhood. I think it's definitely gotten much safer since I even started much, hosting events. Much, much. Like the first yeah. event I had here, like five people got their cars broken into, yeah. and I don't think I've really seen it happen at all in the past couple years at all. It still happens once in a while, but yeah. it's but, not like what it was like every weekend. But I mean, I've had my windows smashed out everywhere in the city, so I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. <True>. everywhere. Be nice. <laughs> um, support the artist. Support the bar, which is technically the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The support for the venue and, yeah. and, and the artists you know, as well. Yeah, to mm-hmm. yeah. pay your fees. You know, pay. Don't complain about paying cover charge. Right. Because maybe that's the only place there's going to be money that night. We've done a lot of solo shows where, or multiple shows where nothing sells, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how much effort you put into it. You know? and, and the way this place started out, too, was especially like that. Um, we had several shows where um, um, there was no cover charge. We provide the wine and cheese like standard gallery we make the fire and then we do the best we could to promote the artist as a solo show but there would be no other form of revenue in that other than uh, the sale of the art and a commission and we discovered pretty quickly that that was not gonna work because people would just come for the opening. Um, they wouldn't come back for the next three weeks. And they'd suck down all the wine, eat all the cheese, and see if they like anything, they won't buy it. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of more like which the is your traditional, traditional art walk kind right. of model. Right. Yeah. And so how did you shift away from that? Like what changes were made from that type of model? I have to say, it was uh, um, here. It was the Dirty Show that pretty much inspired that, and they are probably more of the blueprinters of that model than anyone in the popular arts scene. As far as a, a more interactive and performative experience with the art show, both. Or like art, yeah, party? The, the were, art party, the art party yeah. concept. So there would be. Now, an entry charge, and there would also be an entry fee for artists to get into into the show. Um, The promoter would would hang all the art and be responsible for it, Um, book all the entertainment, and uh, would use those revenues to pay for all that. And then selling the art, there would still be a commission between the promoter and the artists. And then I came along and switched it up where it was 0% commission and I just wouldn't handle any of the art sales which artists seemed to really like that one and so did the crowd. But That seems to work really but well. But there has, has been a debate that with people who come through here, what I don't want to pay, pay a cover for 
for an art show. Well, it's not an art. It's not just an, an art show. Yeah. It's an experience. Um, but like going back to the ethos and just kind of like, probably you think about it a lot with like your background in arts management is um, there needs to be a way to show people a value. And a lot of times people don't think of entertainment as something important. It's usually, you know, what you do after you know, you get all your bills paid and everything, and it's kind of like an afterthought. Um, but to show the value and entertainment as how, like, these artists are, and musicians and promoters are creating um, an experience, and I, I think um, definitely a lot of people in this community, I think, are respectful of that and paying cover yeah. charge and realizing the value when they come here. Um, so I, I think the ethos for me would be a party or art party um, that value the art is what I would put on it. Yeah, valuing um, the art, the time it takes, right. and you know the people putting it together. Um, I've kind of been, I've been playing with this idea of you know respect, and um, I think that respect and value are similar, you know, but um, there's also this piece of from the promoter side to value the work of the people, you know, participating from that side of, Absolutely. you know, paying the artists, yeah. hiring people, and, you know, not having people come in and working for exposure. Mm -hmm. And so I feel right. like that, you know, that value is a two-way street. Oh, Respect absolutely. is a two-way street. Um, well, but how can you is pay also, the yeah. entertainment or the artist if someone isn't paying at the door? And to know, you know, so. that understanding that it's it's all related, right? You right. know, and um, and that's that's definitely something that I'd like to help share and communicate because um, there's kind of there's the information, you know, for people as participants and also as producers. But I think that there's some education for the participant side of like what it really takes. Right. To produce these events how many people and so then you know when you're at the door and you're paying five to ten bucks at the door you're like man that's a steal yeah. <laughs> well no you five know? to ten bucks here yeah. is a steal yeah. Yeah. a lot I of events most, are 20 30 yeah. even yeah i think most people get that there's just like i don't know what percentage would mm -hmm. you say that people just don't, don't want to deal with it or um, give a shit i have done events where they weren't positioned as a music show, as an art show, but my whole secret mission was to make my guest like the music that was happening. So um, I had organized the event, I've done it several times, um, Drunk Dodgeball. And you mentioned this before. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned it to you, but I had or done this show because well, I was thinking, okay, what's a good way for Joe to make some money at the bar? I better put drunk in the title, and it's like, oh, dodgeball. That that's fun. Everyone like wishes they were still in elementary school playing dodgeball. Who doesn't like dodgeball? Mix it with alcohol. That sounds like a lot of fun, but. What I do, which I wouldn't promote it heavily, I would have musicians play during the game. And it would be a dodgeball, a party, whatever. And people would pay, you know, 10, 10 bucks at the door. And but 
like what they didn't realize what I was my secret mission was was for them to hear these these musicians that otherwise they would have never gone and seen. Right. They showed up for the dodgeball. Little did they know they were gonna hear uh, three rappers and a, a soul DJ, like you know. And it, then you see that they're starting to enjoy it, and then they're coming to the door. They're asking who's playing. Like, where can I find their music? And you know, just like with my background and like making really trying to make art accessible to everybody it's it's where do you start to get people who don't generally necessarily value the arts how do you get them to start valuing the arts mm -hmm. so it's particularly um, difficult with music too music is really hard to get people out for a unless show. people really love that band yeah so really often difficult. If you pair everything together, I think everybody benefits from each other. And that's interesting too. Where uh, I've had another friend say that, especially when uh, the show is with people that are, you know, people are great who are performing, but it's maybe not someone that people might be familiar with. Um, that he really tries to focus on the experience. Yeah. So in the description and the way that he talks about the event, it's about, you know, the experience and the vibe and the musicians fit that vibe. But, um, you know, those kinds of descriptors actually capture people. It's something more relatable than saying, oh, come see the so-and-sos. Right. Well, right. Yeah. If you, description, words definitely make a difference as well as, you know, the flyer, visuals, I think. You know, anyone decides if they like something within the, the first six seconds, and so whether it's words, an image, anything that's promoting it, better grab someone's attention immediately. So, yeah, that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, so, is there anything else in either of your toolkits, your personal toolkits, of what you know that you'd like to share with other people? Perseverance. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> I, I think that was probably one of my biggest traits is that I was able to get over a lot of, you know, little losses, you know, sometimes big losses, you know, and, and really understand that it's probably going to work out. It might not at this time, but it probably will next time or down the road if you just stay at it and stay positive about it. It's great advice. Yeah. Absolutely. It's probably what's gotten me through. Because, I mean, there was a lot of times where, um, I mean, I was working a full-time job, too tired to, you know, think about doing anything, and then coming here and working for hours and then have something not work out. Just stop to the next thing. This big work and waiting game. Is it kind of um, just being able to move through those setbacks or losses more quickly to just be like, okay, on to the next thing? Um, you know, just yeah. kind of pick yourself, you learn to pick yourself up quicker yeah. rather than. Yeah. You don't want your headspace get in the way of, yeah. of, of, um, of one little failure or two or three or four. Because yeah. you waste a lot of energy. Just time, yeah, lamenting the failure. Right, right, yeah. right. It's 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 a big waste of energy. It's just also a lesson to do it better next time. Yeah. And so we don't do it this way next time. Yeah. Or we don't do what it this way learning? ever again. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, I've experienced that a lot. Of, a lot. Experience that still. I mean, and, and, and it's yeah, still, it's yeah, still, it's not gonna go away. <laughs> exactly, we still experience yeah, that. Yeah. The whole yeah. when dealing with, I'm gonna put passion after his uh, perseverance, um, so it's PP. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, doing, having perseverance um, and the passion to do everything, which I think helps you persevere. Um, you know, it's. There's going to be times that are not so good, especially when it comes to supporting the arts mm-hmm. and um, you know community-oriented events. Um, you know, we're we're taking a chance every single time that we book something. We don't know what it's going to be, and um, it's just a matter of when there are those downfalls to not dwell on those because if you do. Mm-hmm you're not going to get to the next week or the next step because there's so much to focus on that we can't let one little thing just ruin the momentum to keep it going. And that's one of the great things about community in that too is when you feel like you have the backing of your community, um, it makes it a lot easier for you to move forward in both of those senses. You know? and the perseverance, you know, if you feel like you have that backing, it's, it makes that, those two things a lot easier. So that's where community support really comes in heavily, heavily. Like a lot of my, um, um, I don't know, downturns were just like silly stuff and, and I mean, I mean, even dealing with some stuff right now, even still. Um, but when I put that word out to the community, saying, "Hey, we're having this issue," and realizing that they they're all going to rally behind it, and they do, it's like, you got Amazing. this. We can do it. Mm-hmm. It's incredible once that it's, um, yeah, it's established. It, it takes a long time to get those things established, though. It's, difficult but you have to do it really slowly mm-hmm. and and another thing I'm going to say about passion is, is that you might be passionate about something but you might not it, it probably won't work the first time mm-hmm. it's most likely not going to work the first time and if you're going in, into it like with a get rich quick scheme like you're going to make a ton of money um, then you're gonna lose like right away. Yeah, it's just it's gonna fold. It's better to just have zero expectations. Zero expectations. Well, and I, I think that comes a lot into you know where are your intentions okay. and um, and looking at this division of community-led versus corporate-driven. Like yeah. you can be an LLC, a corporation, but that doesn't mean that's what drives you. It doesn't mean that the Profit is what drives a place or your own passions. There are people that that's what drives them. But I think that that, you know, what you're speaking to is like that's a major difference of being part of community led party culture. And a place like this is, you know, just like you were saying, with the community stepping in to support the needs of the venue, where it's not just sometimes there can be, you know, a venue can feel like an authoritative figure. Right. 
for people and it's a space where people have access to something they want to experience but there doesn't seem to be that relationship or that respect um, and I think you were still going to touch base on passion a little bit oh passion yeah um, I mean I think it starts starts with passion and there comes perseverance um, you know I think when I started the events it was all because of passion I, the reason I'm here is because of passion um, you got to believe in something to actually do it uh, one more comment I could make on that is a lot of um, people I see that, that don't do well with it uh, are people that get like over excited um, like they take out. their passion a little bit too far sometimes and, they don't and, like ground it with, without yeah. it being grounded and they overspend um, you know over uh, overthink things that do you think it might be bigger Bigger is. if they do something, if they do this mm -hmm. next thing, but this costs so much money. Uh, like putting, yeah. pulling the economics, and mm -hmm. which Laura is really good at. I give you. I hate to say it, but <laughs> like my first show is just like, <laughs> wow, not to brag, but like, I, I don't know. I don't think uh -huh. Joe, I think Joe thought I was probably one of those passionate people that was maybe overspending or half, half cocked. And running in here like Bleh! I almost always think well, that you, but with the, the first was. person. Yeah. What's um, the difference you think between I think it yeah. was really I just don't know how to communicate. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the difference between because uh, I know what you're saying with like people who you I know mean, like I the, definitely yeah. was money driven, um, but I was passion driven too. Um, but my goal was shit, I don't wanna go broke from doing this my goal is to not go broke i'm not going into debt for it if, if i'm lucky but if i that, break that even was one of so my matches too. It's I, like made, I can't afford to go i no. can't afford to do that i can't afford mm -hmm. to lose i made sure all my yeah, costs, reasonable risk yeah. cost weren't that much also like any cost that an, an artist would pay to get into a show because it's very standard submission fees and especially for vendors and things like that make sure it go right back into the show it would pay for the rent i had for the venue it would pay the musicians who were also pulling in people to come to that event to make it more of like a gala party esque type of thing um so that really all my costs were handled before a customer stepped foot in that door um that was how all my shows were operated and now i'm doing shows that are very passion driven that I might not even be making money from but I don't really care at this point some of them my personal mm -hmm. ones that I'm not doing you know, that's, you know that's with the like, bar it's yeah. because um I, I have that passion but like when you are doing an event and you're regularly doing events you got to make sure everybody's paid for um or it's not a successful event whatsoever um but yeah, the passion and perseverance definitely go together. There's so many people who, you know, they've had great events, but they've also had events that aren't great, but somehow they still come back and do it again, and they keep doing it. And so it, it's some, definitely passion, I think sometimes trumps profit. Well, we're talking about so many P's. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, I, I but having an eye, you know, having an awareness around, you know, 
the the numbers and your budget and not to just be yeah. overly optimistic mm-hmm. on this idea of if you build it they will come which my uh arts entrepreneurship professor she was saying that is one of the worst lines yes. in all of music his or all movie history it's because it's given funny. all these people a poor perception that if you build it they will come because you also have a lot of other work involved in building the community around that perception you know of you know promoting it of doing the groundwork of making sure that you're offering a safe space and you know following through on the experience you promise and um building is a lot more than 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 just like a statement before i did my first event i built my social media for six months before it even happened that's um i built the social media before i even came to Joe. Was that your personal social media or was no, this for my brand, your brand gallery bypass? Um, I built it on Instagram and Facebook and you know I think the way I did my social media different building my brand was I would like actively like comment on people's images, their photos and engage with them as my brand that people thought I was like 10 people. I, just so you were finding like they Detroit were, artists or just other yeah, artists Detroit saying, hey, artists. I mean, I've had artists from all over the world, like Serbia, uh, Bristol, Germany, Paris, like that have entered my art shows. Um, I let them in, even though it's very difficult to deal with, with the shipping and everything. But, um, you know, anything you do, any, any, I guess, community you're trying to build because like, there's a community here that Joe has already built, but when I came, I was building my own community within his community, um, and that takes time to do. Um, there's a way you gotta, I guess, engage people without, I guess, intimidating them, also welcoming them, um, making them see something in what you're doing. Uh, like personal to themselves because mm-hmm. I made it very I never put my name on anything curated by Laura Wartal or nothing no nobody knew who I was um, they thought a lot of my events were produced by a big team but it was really just me and nobody had idea, any idea about that but I did that on purpose so I was like yeah like everyone wants credit for something and I was thinking well I can't necessarily like take you know, credit for other people's artwork or whatever, and I don't want to like just blast my name on it because then people are going to put this persona, this person's personal thing to this brand, and I want this brand to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want my name on it or anything. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's oh. why I'm always kind of behind the scenes too. You know? Thank you both so much. Yeah, thank yeah, you. This is the the first official, you know, podcast interview for this project. And cool. Appreciate your contributions. Um, no problem. Yeah, and look forward to you know following more of the work what y'all are doing. Okay. Likewise. Thank you for listening. This project is brought to you by you, the listeners and supporters of Patreon. If you would like to support the Party Pro Toolkit by contributing $5, $10, $20 per month on Patreon, you will help this project grow as we share stories and ideas from party professionals. 
Support of this project will allow the research to continue in other cities across the country and around the world. To learn more, please visit PartyProToolkit.com.